Good morning, everyone. Today, we're finishing our series on 1 Peter. I think it's just been a dynamic series, and uh, I found it personally enriching. And it, it seems as though the primary theme of the book is to stand firm in our faith in the face of, of suffering. That seems to be the overarching thing. Hard things are going to happen in our life, but stay firm in the faith. And so what we find in these last few verses is Peter helping us know how to stay firm in our faith. And he outlines a few things. So what we're going to do is just go through 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 to 11, and then make some comments on what it means uh, uh, or how to stay faithful in the face of difficult circumstances. So picking up 1 Peter 5, uh, verse 7, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. That's one of the, my most favorite verses in the Bible. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. The word devour means to swallow. I mean, what a graphic picture. But we have the devil looking for someone to swallow. Resist him. And here it is, standing firm in the faith. Because you know that the family of believers throughout the world, and so the world here is not just kind of um, a physical place, but it's kind of the, the, the moral evil order that, uh, that, that rules the world, uh, that in that world, uh, that throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. So people are experiencing what we're going through all over the world. I was just on a, on a call this morning with some pastors from literally around the world, world Europe, Africa, Asia, uh, in America, and you listen to people's stories, and there's one common thing, and that is we are living in an evil world, and people are undergoing all kinds of suffering. So in a sense, take courage in that. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. What a reassuring promise. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. So what are these, uh, how does Peter show us how to stay uh, faithful to the end? Well, he, he shows us at least four things. The first is to cast our anxiety on God. The idea of casting our anxiety, that word for cast, is, is an interesting word in that there's a kind of an urgency and a passion to it. It's to, it's to eagerly throw something onto, uh, you know, onto someone else. So it's almost like a, a spider or something scary, you know, where you just want to get rid of it. Well, it's that kind of idea. It's like cast, like, oh, get rid of this anxiety and uh, eagerly throw it onto God. And the idea here is actually to make God responsible for something. So when we're anxious, we feel responsible, don't we? This is all these things that we have to care about. Uh, nobody's going to rescue us. We need to take responsibility for it ourselves. And so Peter comes along and says, no, cast it off. Instead of you taking responsibility, give uh, God the responsibility for these issues that are troubling you. So anxiety is a form of over-responsibility. It's taking onto us 
something that we're not designed to handle, that it's only God who's able to handle these things. And so we're kind of taking on God's job. Well, obviously, that's going to make us anxious, isn't it? Uh, we can't do what God does. And so uh, when we're feeling anxious, it's a sign that we're taking responsibility for things that aren't ours to handle. And so Peter says, cast it off. Just get rid of it. Say, God, you be responsible for these things. I'm not equipped for it. I'm not designed to be God. I need you to be God in my life. Listen to Luke uh, chapter 10, verse 41. It's a story of, of Jesus and, um, and there's, he's, he's eating a meal at, uh, at Mary and Martha's. And uh, Mary, uh, Martha is getting upset that she's working super hard. And Mary is just sitting at Jesus' feet listening to him. And this is how he responds to Martha being upset. Martha, Martha. Can you hear kind of the, the kindness in his voice? Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things. There it is. Anxiety is just a whirlwind of, of stuff going through our mind. You're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. And what's the one thing that God asks of us is to stand firm in faith. I find this to be very, very helpful, that when I look at the responsibilities that I have in my life, I feel like I've got to make lots of decisions. I'm I have lots of things that I'm responsible for, and it can become dizzying. And what helps me through that is to say, really, all the many things is what God's responsible for. I'm actually just responsible for one thing, and that is to stay trusting, to stay uh, in faith, standing in faith, believing that God's in control and that I don't have to be. What an interesting thing to be responsible for is to know that we're not ultimately responsible. It's kind of funny, isn't it? But this is what scripture exhorts us to do. There's only one thing that we're responsible for, and that is to trust in God being sovereign and God being in control. Isn't that a great job description for any given moment? I'm not super smart, don't know that I fully get everything that's going on, but I trust in this moment, I trust that God is in control and that he's responsible, that he's faithful. And all my faithfulness is about is trusting in his faithfulness. So let me ask you as, as we begin this sermon, uh, is your mind busy? Are there many things running through your mind that kind of occupy the, you know, your, your, your thinking space? Are you, a, are you a busy person? In our culture, you kind of brag about being busy. When someone says, how are you? You know, it's really popular to say, oh, man, I got so much going on. And they go, oh, wow, you must be a really important person to have all those things going on in your life. And um, uh, it, it's almost like a bragging point that we're super busy. I mean, we're busy mostly doing nothing. But anyways, we still feel like we're busy. And God comes along and says, uh, I haven't asked you to be busy. I've asked you to be faithful. Trusting that I'm in control trusting that I'm the one who is ultimately responsible. And will you be less impressed with your busyness and actually find peace in knowing that you can trust me in whatever situation that you're in? Isn't that great? So the first thing that God asks us to do in order to be faithful is just to cast our anxiety on him, to give it to him, and to simply trust that he's faithful. 
The second thing that we see in these verses is in the next verse is to be alert, to be alert, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. The next thing that we need to understand to remain faithful is that, yes, we're to give our anxiety to God and to trust him to be faithful, but to also recognize that there's someone who's actually attacking us. We're responsible for something, to trust that God's responsible. But then there's another thing going on, and that is we ha- there's an actual enemy. Uh, demonic powers are acting against us. This week, we had a, um, the Every Nation Campus Institute. There were three days where students came from all across Canada. And wow, what a fantastic time. Jacob and Bea and Johnny and the whole team just did a fantastic job pulling all this together. The students have an, an incredible time, uh, really, really encouraging. And uh, one of the, they gave me one little part, and it was to talk, it was to go through prayer ministry. And the, and the focus was that uh, we live, even in North America, with demonic powers around us all the time. And we're mostly ignorant to it. We just think that if something's going on, it's either because of some other person or because of us. But the Bible comes along and says, no, that's not true at all. There's actually demonic powers that are acting against you and acting against others. And we need to be alert and aware that there's this whole other spiritual dimension that's going on. And if we're to remain faithful, we need to know that uh, there's, there's, uh, we're required to resist these demonic forces against us is how we stay faithful is recognizing that they exist and saying no to them. Um, There's a a, a thing in psychology that's quite uh, popular, and it's talking about boundaries. And so maybe a popular way to think about staying faithful is to know that there's lots of pressures and and, uh, responsibilities, and people ask things of us, and we don't have to say yes to everything. We've learned how to say no. That's a really big deal for people is we know how to stay, say no. And the idea is, is that what stresses us out is our circumstances around us. And the way that we regain peace is by not having to answer to all of the outside pressures and expectations that come on us. There's some truth to that. But here's the picture that God gave me as I was, as I was praying uh, about this sermon, that I, I pictured us in a house. And what we're doing is we're in the house and we're peering through the blinds and we're looking at all the external expectations and pressures that people are trying to put on us. And so the idea is to have, you know, really clear walls around our life. And so we're looking out, making sure that our walls are clear. We see them out there, but we're, we're not going to let them in because we're going to be overwhelmed and we don't have to be responsible for everything. Well, uh, as we're looking out, imagining that the enemy, you know, to our peace is out there, uh, we actually look behind us and inside our house are demons that are just raging. And so we're all worried of what other people are putting on us. And the truth is that the, that the bigger thing to resist is in our own hearts and minds. And that there's a devil inside 
or wanting to come into us and pressure us to become over-responsible, to take on things that are only Jesus's responsibility and to bring anxiety. But those things aren't coming from our, our circumstances. They're coming from the enemy, from demonic presences that are trying to make us over-responsible. So God says, cast your anxiety up upon me. Uh, your faithfulness looks like trusting that I'm faithful. The devil comes along and says, I, and, and kind of forces us to be overly responsible. And so we're to be alert, recognizing that the attack that's coming on us is not just external, it often, it often is, is inside of us, and to be aware of that. And then the third thing is to be encouraged. I love what it says in the second half of verse 9. That um, uh, So it says, resist him, stand firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. I find it, I, I mentioned that I was on this, this call uh, this morning, and it was so encouraging to listen to Christians all over the world experiencing similar kind of, of suffering and trials, but standing faithful in the midst of those trials. Oh, my heart was just so encouraged. And there's something incredibly valuable of us coming together, whether it's, it's virtually or in person, but that we come together and we admit that we're all going through a difficult time and to, and to hear how other people are finding ways to stay faithful to God, following his will, trusting in him in difficult times. Uh, one of the, you know, so I, I, one of the things that I, I want to ask you is, is, you know, who inspires you? I mean, one of the people who inspires me the most is my wife. I just, I look at the way that she lives her life. And in the midst of whatever trials and, and suffering that she undergoes, it's just shocking to me how she's able to turn her heart toward Jesus. Um, and I, I also, there's a, uh, I, I mentioned it in Transformations, I think. But there's, a, there's one group of people, I don't know why I, I think about them, but I think about Korean martyrs and how, uh, just because I know that two things were true in Korea um, a number of years ago. One is, is that missionaries went to Korea and they literally died on the seashore. As they were landing in their boats, they died before they could ever proclaim the name of Jesus. They were martyred. And then I also know that uh, after that time, the, uh, the, you know, the largest church in the world was in South Korea, and that the blood of the martyrs bore fruit, and they never saw it in their lifetime, but none of that was wasted. I think about Hebrews eleven thirteen that talks about all these people were still living by faith when they died. What encourages me is when I see people in the face of suffering staying faithful. I just, I'm just so blessed by that because it feels as though my um, personal well-being seems so attached to how well things are going on around me. And so when I am uh, read about people or see people that even when it's not going well, that they stay uh, uh, full of faith, and trusting in God, I just, I just 
my faith is so built up. You and I need to be around people like that, don't we? Where we need to be around people who are who have not compromised, but are staying true even in the face of suffering. A few uh, a few weeks ago, we had the opportunity to just we just spent one night in Whistler, and uh, I went mountain biking with my boys, and it was really really fun. And at one point, we we turned on the TV, and we were watching um, this show that was about people who it seemed to be uh, Americans, and no offense, it was just happened to be that, but the, uh, and they're looking to buy um, houses in the Caribbean. And it's a whole show about they go around to, you know, three to five different houses and, and they just pick the place where they're going to leave all of their pressures behind and they're just going to lie on the beach and uh, drink pina coladas and... They'll invite their family over to stay in their beautiful, luxurious home. And I'm, I'm looking at that, and uh, so, so I'm, I mean, I'm happy for them. And, uh, and God can use anyone, anywhere. But when I listen to their reasons for doing that, there's just no courage or faithfulness in the face of suffering. It's, it's an escape from suffering, trying to set up their little piece of heaven now and just trying to opt out. And so I need to ask you, uh, I don't know that how many of us can afford having a Caribbean home, but uh, what does it look like? What does your Caribbean home look like <laughs> when you're tired of being faithful and you, you don't want to stay true to God in the face of suffering, where do you go? What does escape look like for you? And what we need to do is be around people who are staying in the game. We need to be around people who in the face of suffering are still finding incredible peace and joy and are being found faithful. Oh, that we could encourage one another as a church family to stay faithful. And if you can go on a holiday, God bless you. That's great. That's not the point. But that we need to be around encouragement of people who are also suffering, but staying faithful to God. And finally, we, we trust in God's grace. We cast our anxiety on God. We don't be over-responsible. We understand that the enemy is trying to make us over-responsible and load on us condemnation and weight and that he's actually in our house not just, you know, out in other people. Then we need to be encouraged by the family of God. And then we need to trust in grace. In the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ. That's where our hope is. We know that there's going to be difficult times now. But he's called us to an eternal home. And that's what we're hoping for. Not a Caribbean home, but an eternal home, a heavenly home. Um, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. God empowers us by his grace to be strong, firm, and steadfast. But here's what bothers me about this verse. It says, uh, after you have suffered for a little while, after you have suffered for a little while, he will restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. That is just incredibly discouraging. I don't know about you, but it's like, couldn't you do it like before? <laughs> you know? But it seems as though he says, after... You suffer for a bit, 
don't worry, I'm going to make you strong and steadfast. Well, what's going on here? Um, here's what I think about. I think about, this is what the theme of 1 Peter's been about, about, you know, being steadfast in the face of suffering. And I think about what the role of suffering has in our life. And what we know is that the primary time that people come to Christ is during times of suffering. We just know this. Uh, Research shows that when people uh, move, go through financial hardship, through a divorce, Uh, addiction, whatever it is, some kind of hardship, some kind of suffering, that that is the moment that they're most open to the gospel, and it's when they turn to Jesus. And what we also know, we've talked about this before, what we also know is that that's when people most turn away from God when suffering comes. So the vulnerability of God to allow suffering in our life is really quite profound, because it could either break our faith or build our faith. And so, uh, but the truth is, is that God sends us through times in which he feels distant, in which his promises feel unfulfilled, and where we feel weak and confused. And God brings us into those times to actually reinforce our need to trust in the goodness and greatness of God. You know, every once in a while, he, you know, he'll pull back and say, this is what it feels like when I'm not in charge. I mean, I'm still in charge, but I'm giving you kind of a, a window of what it could feel like if I wasn't in charge. And don't let that drive you to mistrust me. Let it drive you to need me all the more. It's suffering is designed to awaken our hearts to our need for Jesus Christ. Suffering can make us faithful. It doesn't just make us uh, doubt. It can also make us faithful. Needing him. Standing firm in our need of Jesus Christ. Suffering can do that. You know, if we, just before these verses, First uh, Peter's talking about humility. And when we go into suffering in humility, instead of, you know, demanding our rights and where's God and, you know, no, when we actually lay down our personal rights, understand that anything that comes against us, um, we actually deserve more than that. That uh, in humility, it causes suffering, enables us to deepen our convictions of just how much we need Christ in our lives. So uh, we look at cast our anxiety on him, be alert, be encouraged, and trust in his grace in the face of suffering. The last dimension of love, then, that we've looked at today is faithfulness. If there is a dimension of love uh, that is most scarce, I'm sure that faithful love is, uh, is right up there. That uh, we look at people who say that they love someone or they say that they love God, 
And it lasts as long as until suffering comes, until something difficult happens in their life. And I think that uh, it's the most rare, but faithful love is also the most precious. And can I please exhort us to let faithfulness be a critical dimension of the kind of love that we want to live in. What does faithfulness look like? Is that we stay loving even in the face of evil and in the face of suffering. Faith looks like staying loving. When this verse, uh, this passage commands us to stand firm in the faith, how do we know that we're standing firm in the faith? We're able to keep our hearts loving and kind and generous to those around us. Then we know that we're winning the battle, that evil does not defeat us, that we're able to stay loving even in the face of evil. Romans 12, 21 says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. It's the only way to defeat evil, not by fighting for rights, but by walking in humility and staying loving and humble and vulnerable and generous and grateful. So can I ask in conclusion then, can we prove our faithfulness by staying loving? Um, it doesn't look as though COVID is going to end anytime soon. It doesn't look like that. Can we stay loving, stay together? Friends, can we stay together as a church family? Can we stay faithful to one another? Can we stay ultimately faithful to God, even through this difficult time that is going on much longer? I mean, some of you knew that it was going to go on. I didn't know how long. But it's going on a lot longer than we wish it would. Can we stay faithful? Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you gave us First Peter. And I thank you that you gave us already a church 2,000 years ago that suffered for you. And I thank you for their witness. I thank you for the witness that remains today in the persecuted church. I thank you for our friends around us, for their encouragement when we go through difficult times and how they stay true. But, oh, Father, I pray that we would be a church community that will be found faithful, that in the midst of demonic, physical, whatever kind of, of, of attack comes our way, that we would be a people that stays loving. We wouldn't put up our guards, become defensive, fight power with power, but we would stay humble just as you did to dying on a cross, absorbing our sin. Instead of quickly demanding justice, you paid for our sin on our behalf. Oh, Father, let us known to be those kinds of people who look like Jesus. Let this be our testimony in this city, in this nation, and among the nations, that we are a people who have stayed faithful to you by staying soft and loving toward others. Let this be true, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.
Amen. It's a privilege to be able to walk this up with you.